Yeah, you're just yeah, okay. All right, cool. All right, I think it got it going here. I think it says recording. Yep, it's recording. All right, we good. All right, welcome everyone to the What the Fans Don't See podcast, episode three. This is your host, Nick Simi. We have two legendary friends of mine that need no introduction, but I'll let them introduce themselves. We have Clay Ratterman, we have Jackson Hayes. These are two very, very uh, near and dear friends, like I, like I mentioned. We went through the Ohio State walk-on process together, the experience, the journey, the highs, the lows. So welcome. Thank Let's you. go. So Clay, kind of start us off here. We'll go through the, the original you know, background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We'll go start with Clay and then we'll move to Jackson. So tell the people a little bit about what you got going on and, and how you're doing today. Yeah, sure. So my name is Clay. I am from uh, Dublin, Ohio, I guess you could say. So yeah, from Dublin, Ohio, it's a little suburb outside of Columbus. And I, yeah, like Nick said, went to Ohio State and was a walk-on with Nick and Jackson here. Um, funny little background on ourselves. Jackson and I actually went to the same high school. So we played football together before we went to Ohio state. Jackson actually went to a different college. Um, and then I coincidentally ran into Jackson again at a tryout, uh, for yeah, to walk on at Ohio state. And then, yeah, Nick, the way that you and I ended up meeting was actually in the gym at, uh, JO North. So yeah, that's why I said guys. I said in episode two that, that that is the best gym on Ohio State's campus. Oh, so whether you've far. been to Ohio State or not, Dude, you know, I think you they know, changed right? it or something. But I know uh, topic for a different time. But right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, I went to Ohio State. I am currently living in Austin, Texas, and yeah, really big into entrepreneurship nowadays. Very cool. All right, Jackson. Cool. I'm Jackson Hayes. As Clay already said, I am also from Dublin, Ohio. Uh, walked on at Ohio State after quite a long journey of college bouncing and injuries, two shoulder surgeries, two colleges later. Ended up walking on at Ohio State. After that, I did a year internship with the strength and conditioning department at Ohio State. Worked with a variety of different teams there in the strength and conditioning department. Um, and then now I run my own strength and conditioning, personal training, programming company called Relentless Train. And then I'm also at a, uh, a gym called Athletic Republic as the GM. And I uh, train youth athletes out of there. So just kind of doing my own thing along with working at another place. So, you know, life's rolling. Yeah, guys, real quick, Jackson, the shoulder surgeries. Uh just triggered are you guys do you guys have any lingering injuries from uh either college football or high school like any of your your football careers nick do you want to go with me all right um, yeah go ahead I, I have my answer but go ahead so like my shoulders are actually really good i don't know how but like i never really have any shoulder issues anymore but i'm obviously very injury prone so going back to high school i tore the liz frank tendon in my foot which basically like when you step down your feet or your toes spread apart and it's the ligament that brings them back together as you come off the ground. So I tore that ligament. And so I have a screw and a plate in my foot and it just kind of limits my ankle mobility. And so what I've kind of figured out after going to like physical therapists and stuff afterwards, 
is that's what's causing my right knee pain, even though my left foot is the one that hurts. It's because it's causing extra pressure on my on my knee. Just it's only when I sprint. I can squat, I can jump, I can do whatever, but it's only when I sprint like really hard, my knee bothers me, and it's because of my foot. So that's been like the biggest uh lingering injury that I've had. Okay. Shoulders are good. Um, the foot's even good, uh, just little limited ankle mobility, and it's kind of putting some extra pressure on my knee when I run. So that's about it. So what what I'm hearing is that Jackson is wanting some physical therapy services from yours truly. Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. That's a close, close. I'm honored. I'm honored. You just had to say it. You had to come out and say it. You didn't have to like say it like that. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Nick, what do you have? Do you have anything? So I have, I had torn my MCL um, my senior year of high school they haven't really had any issues lower body wise. My right shoulder still gives me some issues. Um, I had my first surgery done in 2010. That was my sophomore year of high school. And then I had my second labrum tear and surgery in 2013. That was when I was at Ashland university playing football there Mm. to this day. I think it was something that like I wouldn't have changed anything. I would have still have gone through the surgeries and the rehab process um, but I'm kind of living with it now through those surgeries. Again, not saying that those surgeries cause anything that I'm dealing with now directly, but I have like really bad arthritis in the shoulder. So I had like instability in the shoulder. They went in, they had to kind of screw and, and tighten down the capsule and the joint. So that caused increased pressure with, within my shoulder itself. Mm. And so now it's kind of something where my range of motion is pretty limited. Um, if you, see me and you're like, Hey, you want to play catch? I'd be like, all right. You know, I got to warm up the shoulder a little bit. I sound like a 50, 60 year old man. Um, but other than that, I think in the grand scheme of things, I didn't have to deal with any concussions. Yeah. I or, wouldn't change um, back to that. I wouldn't change anything. anything. There's no way. Yeah. I just have, I what just about have you, shoulders, shoulders as well. The, just the dislocated shoulders, um, which honestly, they don't bother me that much, Jackson, to your point. I don't really notice it that much. Sometimes like when I'm benching or like actually doing jujitsu or like Muay Thai, I've sublexed them, like re-sublexed them several times, which is really annoying. But other than that, like I don't notice it that often. Um, and then, yeah, I don't think I had a concussion when I was in like eighth grade from lacrosse. And that was actually a pretty bad one, but I don't notice anything from that either. So I've been pretty good, to be honest. I, and it, it kind of makes me think, and I, I've gotten this question a couple of times um, from athletes that have endured injuries recently, whether it's high school or college. Um, let's say if they're a high school athlete, they want to continue with college athletics. If they're a collegiate athlete, they you know want to continue their career. They might have aspirations at the professional level. Like, what would you guys say is like the biggest advice for someone that immediately has an injury those first couple days, weeks, um, like, what would you kind of tell them? Cause I get the question of like, Hey, I don't know if I can see myself doing this again. And I think that's a very loaded topic and thing to kind of unpack. There's many layers to it. Uh, but kind of like, how would you address that to someone that might have these, you know, big goals and aspirations, but just kind of trying to overcome the mental hurdle of, of having an injury that might require surgery or not, but something that's going to keep them out of their sport for some time. You want to go Jackson? Yeah, I can. I mean, that 
honestly was probably the biggest thing for me was like the mental aspect of it just because like you give everything you have to these sports and then it's like taken away in an instant and so we'll get into this later about when we're done with sports but at that age in high school you're not done with sports yet I think it honestly helps you find other things that you're interested in and, and can help you grow other interests and going back to I'll go ahead and start on it now is like the reason that I love strength and conditioning and really got into the weight room was because I couldn't play. I've spent more time in my career preparing to play than I've ever spent on the field. And it's just, and it's because of those injuries that I fell in love with that. I had really good PT staff. I had a really good strength and conditioning coach, really good strength and conditioning coaches at Ohio state. And that's, what's really helped me like evolve in that world is it helped me find something that I could still do related to sports, but it not actually playing that sport anymore. So I think mm -hmm. it kind of, it can help you uh, find other paths that you can follow and, and know that the, like that sport is not the end all be all. And I mean, you kind of have to use the saying, like, you got to find something positive in every situation. Right. So like, yeah, it sucks that, and like, it is going to suck for the first couple of weeks. Like I just sat on my couch and did nothing, but eventually it's going to pay off later in, in the, in your life. That's, that's all I can really say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think if you get injured, like, and Nick, are you asking, I guess, are you asking like, how does someone make the decision if they want to continue with their sport or what, what exactly was the question? I just think more so like kind of the shock, let's say an athlete oh. has had a pretty big injury um, and they kind of like, don't know where to turn. They, you know, like we have kind of talked about, you know, athlete athletics have been a big part of our lives and then kind of define who we were at a young age, especially in high school uh, or maybe in the early ages of, of college. Like, what would you, you know, what is your insight now? Like kind of going through some injuries, going through a successful high school and collegiate career, you know, what would you kind of turn around and say like, yeah, if I was in their shoes, this is what I would kind of tell them. Like kind of maybe it's a pick me up or, um, words of advice. Again, I know it's maybe a little broad, but yeah, no, I mean, it certainly depends on the injury, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> what's the injury that the person's because, like, there are, yeah, situations like you know, uh, not only season ending injuries, but there are career ending injuries, like reasons why people would not be able to play again, right? Um, or in certain scenarios, they have to make up their mind, is this worth even doing again? Like, is this worth? recovering from and coming back and trying to play again and so yeah I think it just depends on on what the person uh I think it allows you to take a step back from what you're doing and whether you know it or not you're probably moving a million miles an hour and you know haven't had probably a lot of time to reflect so I think when you get injured it's a good time to reflect and figure out you know what is it that that your goals really are like, what do you want out of this sport? Why are you playing this? It's like, what do you love about it? Uh, what do you not love about it? What's your goals moving forward with it? And it just gives you a chance to reevaluate your priorities and not only your own health, but in that sport and in life and what you want to be doing. So I think if you just take it as an opportunity to, to reevaluate and like Jackson said, find other things that you're, you know, potentially interested in, 
Um, I think that's a really good use for it. And if you're dead set and your lifelong goal is this specific sport and you have this one thing in mind, like a lot of us have had, um, there's usually a way to find your way back into that, that sport with enough, uh, you know, determination and obviously depending on the injury. Um, but yeah, I, I think too, like when people are going through that, they are, uh, yeah, part of their identity is hurt, right? Because they're they're known as this athlete, or they're known as you know doing this thing, and it could be a shock to some people if they're not able to be that person anymore, um, or at the level that they were doing it at. And so, I think it's a, it's a great time, like I said, to reflect and um, to kind of realize that that that's not the only thing in life. Last 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 thing with that. So I'll just also say like yeah it helped me find other avenues that I enjoyed doing. But if, if you know that that sport is really, really what you want to do, I'm not telling people that they, they have to keep pushing. If, if you decide that you want to stop then stop, but I've done both. Um, I'll just share like when I did, when I had my foot injury, I decided I wanted to keep playing. That actually is a career ending injury for a lot of people. Santonio Holmes ended his career with that injury. It's very hard to like get your speed and agility back up from that injury. It's very hard to cut. It's very hard to accelerate. It's very hard to put extreme amounts of pressure on. Um, but I ended up still being able to, to do that after I determined that like, I'm not going to stop playing. And then with the shoulder injuries as well, I took a full two years off of football. I transferred to Ohio yeah. state planning to not play football I quit like I was like I'm done it's not worth the time anymore I've had two years in a row of shoulder surgeries I've had two six-month rehabs I'm done and I decided you know six months later that I couldn't live like I didn't want to go to school without it I've really missed it like this is my only opportunity I'm still 22 years old this is my only opportunity to ever play this sport again I'm going to give it a go when I walked on the team they do the physicals and the doctor basically had to go get my MRIs on my shoulder from my old doctor. And they told me, they were like, you should not play football again. If you want to play on Ohio state's team, we will allow you to, but you have to sign this agreement that if you get hurt again in your shoulders, that we are not responsible and we will not pay for your surgeries. So that was a a risk that I was willing to take because I knew that that was what I wanted. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity that I was presented with and that I, I honestly earned. And so I, you know, pushed through it and, and kept going. So it's not, don't let people don't take the, not saying it's the easy way out, but don't let people to, Oh, well, you should probably stop. Like there's other ways yeah. that you can persevere through it as well. Don't just let people tell you that you need to be done. Yeah, no, it depends on what you want, right? right. Like, right. like right. nothing could have stopped the three of us from figuring out a way to walk on. On the flip side, you give anyone else and an one little excuse or an out and they're done. And right. so it, it just depends on the person and, and what their real goals are. If you're real, if your heart's not in it and your, your goals aren't, then yeah, probably not for you to go to try to fight your claw your way back and risk your health. Because if your heart's not in it, your health's more important, right? Like if you're not in it to, you know, for some bigger reason or for, you know, you're, it's like a massive desire of yours, then why would you risk your health anyway? You know what I mean? It's like, so yeah, just make sure you're, you're, uh, I think aligned in, in what you want and the actions that you're actually taking. I mean, I couldn't agree more with what you guys both said. The fact that 
taking a step back, evaluating what you really want. And, you know, those can be factors that might be intrinsic that come within that motivate you. Um, it can be, you know, family values. They can also be extrinsic, right? So some of those things that we might chase, like, you know, quote, fame yeah. and fortune. So it's really trying to evaluate why you're in it. Like, is it more to say, hey, this is what I'm doing and telling your friends? Or is it something that actually that you find purpose in? I think there's clout chasing. Only, it's only one conversation that you can have. And it's a conversation with yourself. I, I think another thing too that, you know, I wish I had the insight at, at a young age or younger age. Um, it's crazy saying that because I'm 26. I feel so much older. But um, I think one thing is that it's very easily easy to isolate yourself when you first have an injury. Um, you know, you kind of go through the, the stages of grief that you might hear about. Um, and the first one is like, you know, it's kind of like the why me. And, and I think, like I said, you can get, get and kind of put yourself in a place mentally of, you know, like, Hey, I don't deserve to be happy in this sport. Like you said, you might start bargaining with yourself, um, in terms of the, the hardships that you've dealt with in the past that I don't really know what this is going to be for in the future. So I would say if there's any way that you can surround yourself with your teammates, with your family, with your friends, I think that's probably the most important thing because they'll be the, the guiding light or they'll be that North star to direct you into whatever that path is for you in the future. If, you know, say for instance, if you're on a team and you have the ability to talk with your coach and say, you know, Hey, I might not be physically on the field right now, but mentally I still want to get those reps in. You know, I'd love to travel with you. I'd love to, maybe fill a coaching role of some sort, like, again, trying to find some positive experience out of it that you can apply towards in the future. Um, yeah. I mean, you can get better. Like when you're hurt, you can get way better at certain things. You just have to reallocate your energy and it's less about physical and more about the other things that you're doing. Exactly. And, and it, it, another thing too, again, I know I'm kind of backtracking on some things you guys mentioned. I might have done this um, and I'm actually really interested talking with people now, when you go and introduce yourself, right? People will say, you know, for instance, me, when I was younger, I'd be like, you know, hi, you know, my name is Nick. You know, I play football at Wadsworth, Ohio, you know, Wadsworth High School. It's like, I immediately say the things that I, I think identify me. I don't say, you know, again, it's not like yeah. your bag, but like, I would like to think that I'm caring, I'm compassionate. Um, I'm a hard well, worker. Yeah. Right? It's like, I immediately go to, you know, football or, you know, basketball or track. It's like these things that I, you know, I feel proud to talk about. And so like, it kind of goes back to the identity standpoint of there's a lot of weight, right? When I say, yeah. Hey, my name is Nick. I am a this. So like back to your point about like, why are people doing it? Like there's a ton of people that want to walk on to a football team because of those uh, the reason reasons completely outside of football, they want the clout, they want the, uh, the attention, they want that status. They want the, uh, the recognition from friends and family. Again, they want a lot of exterior stuff, um, which those things are part of it, which is great. Like they want, maybe they want the brotherhood again. They want that, you know, closeness, but if your identity is wrapped in that specifically, and that's the reason why you're doing it a lot, we, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it with a ton of people that we tried to, or that tried to walk on as well, um, or just other people on the team. Like it, that typically is a recipe for disaster. If that's the only thing your identity is wrapped into. Um, but you know, to your point, like 
when, when people ask you, you asked us at the, the beginning of this to introduce who we are and, you know, a little bit about ourselves. Most of the time people say what they do for a living as who they are, which it's because you don't really have any other ways to describe who you are other than, you know, the things that you're doing. But, you know, to your point, it's not who you are isn't what you do necessarily. So it's like, but what are you supposed to say when someone asks you that question? Yeah, like, hey, yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm a person. I'm really like, yet. here's my qualities. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Here I'm are a, my five best qualities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even weirder. Yeah. If I say, hey, I'm the next guest on this show. He's he's energetic. He's a hard worker. He likes to have fun. People are gonna think I'm talking about a dog. <laughs> yeah. he likes to play fetch. Likes to be outside. Like, okay, right. But like when someone, when someone asks you, uh, you know, like, yeah, so who are you? Like, or someone's trying to introduce you, they try to like tell people like, like what you do, or they try to tell you the most, like if you were to introduce me, Nick, you'd probably like try to say the, the best things that I've done or whatever, you know, about like some elevated things. That would be a nice thing to do about someone, but it's like, yeah, other than that, these are just descriptors of people. And so when people are a, like an NFL football player or a college football player, you know, or even in high school, they're, you know, a really big part of the team. They probably want to use that as like, Hey, yeah, this is who I am. Like, this is what I do. So when they lose that and like, they're no longer a part of that, they're like, who am I? They're having an identity crisis. Like, like what's my value now? So yeah, I think people are deriving their value out of the things that they're doing. And it's not always, you know, that's definitely not the only thing. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of segue, I have another question I want to open up um, to you guys, maybe putting you on the spot a little. But when you're going through different endeavors and you guys have these goals, you guys have things that motivate yourselves, you guys are trying to operate at a very high level. Let's just take... Um, and for instance, when you're in college and you're, you're making that intrinsic decision, that internal decision to say, you know, I want to walk on what motivates that decision? Like what, you know, not only motivates the decision, but a step further, what was your, did you guys have a goal? Like saying, you know, I, you know, let's say I walk on, I made the team. Like, what was your goal throughout that year of eligibility that you had, if any? Maybe so, that might have been goals that you created while you're already on the team. Um, you know, for like example, it could be like playing time, you know, things. I, I don't know kind of what it was going through you guys' head. The list was like forever changing because like yeah. you like at first you like make it and like you're on this like huge high and you're like, dude, I'm going to start like this is yeah. awesome. Well, that's, like, the, that's your only in. goal, right, Jackson? Like your yeah. only goal was I just <laughs> want to make the team. I talked yeah. to my brother about this, like, the only vision I ever saw of playing football at Ohio State was making the team. Yeah, and then once I made the team, it's ball. like, what the <laughs> hell just happened? You just get like, it's a different, completely different universe after, from the journey, like we all had a long journey of like things in life before we made, we had that decisive moment where all of us got the phone call and it's like, you're on the team, like that epic crazy moment that you feel like the weirdest uh, emotions of your life but before all that it's this long journey and there's this incredible ending but really it's just the beginning of the next journey yeah. it's like the second you made it it was like day one you show up and you're about to get just destroyed it's like uh it's a whole nother like just journey that you start on so going back to so the main goal was to make the team then once you yeah, play, same like, 
you're like, okay, like, dude, I obviously now I can compete with these guys. Like I'm going to start, I'm going to get this much playing time. Like I want to get on special teams. And it started out as that. And then like you go into the first day of like workouts and you're like, these are some dudes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Five star like freaks. And then like slowly, like your ego just starts to <laughs> <laughs> like, as you keep going and it's not like your confidence is shaking really, but it's just like, all right, this is a little bit harder than I thought. All right. Well, now this is a little bit harder than I thought. Yeah. And, down. and like, eventually, like, I enjoyed the camaraderie and like, yeah, it started off with playing time. Then it was like, make as many connections and friends as possible. Mm -hmm. Then it was, you know, use the resources that Ohio state is providing to you to the best of your ability, internships, connections with the front office, um, alumni associations. Like then, like as it, it started to kind of shift, at least for me towards the end. Now at the beginning, it was still like, get me on the field, get me on the field. But it started to shift a little bit more towards my life after football. Those goals went from playing time, um, you know, special teams, scout team player of the week, whatever, whatever, to the other things that the state football provided for you. But Jackson, I think all three of us have a weird warp perspective on that because of our timing, like our, all yeah, of us we didn't, we didn't yeah we didn't have a lot of time to to mess around really like we were like we get in you know we go to work we try as hard as we can to do the best we can do and then you know a year or two later we're out the door so for us we didn't really have the the leisure of like okay let's set some goals and have the time to do it and i think that was part of it like for me same as you jackson and nick we we all had this goal where it's like make the team whether we set it publicly or not i mean most of us kept it private considering how stupid we would sound if we would tell someone yeah we're gonna go play football at ohio state like almost you know there's a very small percentage of people that make it happen um but the one thing i noticed between the three of us is we all only had that one goal like we all really wanted to make the team what i see from like a lot of kids that like ask us questions like younger athletes is they're like yeah i'm like i i want to you know uh go D one, make the NFL. And, and like all they're thinking about, like they haven't even done step one. They're not even working out on a daily basis. And they're thinking about the NFL and it's like, it's good to have really big goals like that. And I actually think I've made the mistake. Like we, maybe all of us did where we, we didn't dream big enough about our career at Ohio state, but you don't know what it actually looks like until you're on the team. And so I, as I look back, I, I used to tell my brother, like, I think I, I manifested everything I wanted, but I didn't dream big enough. And it, it's really not like that. It's really like I manifested exactly what I wanted. And then you have to reset your goal once you, you've gotten to that stage. So once we made the team, you have to now set new goals. But by the time we made the team, we were also like pumped that we actually made it that um you know we rode that wave for a little while and then you know before we know it we obviously all of us probably had other goals but we didn't have a long time horizon to achieve those goals yeah i think there's a level of you know clay you touched on it like there's a level of gratitude and appreciation of having sports not having it due to whatever circumstance and then having it again you gain a whole new appreciation and that could be not just sports related um but yeah, I think, you know, Clay, you, you Clay, I mean, Clay and Jackson, both two 
get and make the team was such a shock to myself. Like, yes. like you said, I thought, you know, it was a dream, right? It was something that you would kind of talk about, but like, it was hard for me to kind of truly believe it when I would, you know, when I told my parents and, and told my girlfriend, it's like, okay, yeah. Your name in the locker room. Right. Yeah. Like I put it on such a huge pedestal that like when it happened, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and then it was so much of, you know, I wasn't planning. I wasn't planning to get on the team and have like other aspirations and goals. I was just shell shocked. And I was like, okay. All right. All right. So I, my vision was like this. And as soon as I made the team, I was like, I have to go in and narrow it down and, and be very selective with, you know, like what I'm saying when I'm at the facility, like, I'm not going to go around saying, Hey guys, you know, my name is Nick. I'm, I'm going to be a starter here. Like yeah. I was more of like head down, and, and I, that might've just had time pass by. Like, you know, I wasn't necessarily the one to always go out and reach out to, you know, starters or guys that, has, guys that have been on the team. But um, we, it was we more were so, there for so short, right? Like, it's right. like, had we, had we, that was year, like, like imagine had we had, you know, a couple extra years, I think our goals would start to be a little bit more. I mean, it depends if you get complacent, but I think we would have all gotten to that point where we would have had more clarity around what we wanted out of the situation. We were all thrown into this crazy circumstance and we're like, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> fire and everything's moving so quickly. You don't even have time to like, to think. You have yeah. So, you have, like it's literally from 5am until nine o'clock at night. Yeah. But when do you have time to even think about it <laughs> yeah i wasn't i wasn't sitting down planning my goals at that stage i was trying to survive spring ball and sleep inside the study hall <laughs> yeah, like, literally nick i literally remember like we used to show up because as walk-ons you don't want to mess shit up like we, we were trying to do everything we could right like we didn't want to screw our uh you know our opportunity that we had worked so hard for and you know, like whatever it was we had to do, I think it was like eight hours of study hall per week. Like you had to go, you had to go physically sit in a study hall and do homework for eight hours. Um, and like everybody used to do that thing where they would like check in and just leave. Nick and I were like sitting in there literally like hiding under the desks, sleeping. Like we, we could have probably just left or whatever everyone else was doing, but we decided to like really do everything right. And just, yeah, so we used to literally sleep under the desks in that thing. It's just so the like, first time show. walking into the facility, was there any doubt that creeped in your mind? Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna be here in a year. Like, I don't know if this is gonna last. Like, did, you, did any of those thoughts or doubts kick in? Once I was there, there was no way I was quitting. Yeah, I I someone had to force me to quit. Someone once that I got the opportunity, I was like, no chance I'm messing this up. I mean, like, yeah, I messed a lot of stuff up, like throughout practices and stuff. But I was like, there's no way I'm gonna, there, I'm not gonna do something to mess this up. Maybe someone else, something happens outside of my control. But no, no chance that I was gonna mess it up. And what would you say is like, you know, if you kind of were to look back, what was like kind of like your defining moment, like to the point where you're like, you felt that you like kind of earned your keep to call yourself an Ohio state Buckeye. Like, was it the moment you guys made the tryout or was there a moment oh, um, in, in winter workouts, spring ball, summer conditioning, fall camp, postseason, whatever. Was there a moment where you're like, yeah, like I, I earned this and, you know, I feel confident saying that I might not put in a lot of, you know, a ton of playing time on the field, but what I do matters. Right. 
just looking back, I think it's a build. I don't think there's a moment. I think it's a slow burn of like the three of us, especially we never did anything wrong. Like we, and I like, that's like something to be proud of, right? Like we literally, we didn't miss a workout. We never missed uh, you know, we were never late. We never, uh, no problems with anything outside of football. We didn't have any, like, that's impressive. Like in terms of, if you think about the whole team as a total, pretty much everybody has something that, that goes. Just the nine people that walked on (laughs) left two of them. One was a marijuana. One was DUI. The rest, some of them were injuries, but there were at least five of them out of trouble in the first two months out of our, just our group alone. We're the only three that made it all the way through everything with zero hiccups. And, and I'm not saying zero hiccups in terms of like, Bad stuff didn't happen and it wasn't hard. Zero hiccups in terms of we personally didn't make the mistake. It was uh, more so like outside of football. Yeah, we made mistakes. We got ran over. We got whatever. Oh, for sure. Missed assignments in practice, but it wasn't like our grades were bad. We got in trouble for drinking. We had bad grades. We didn't do, we weren't late. We did everything that we were supposed to do. No lack of effort on our end. Exactly. No lack of like responsibility on our end, but that's because it meant way more to us than it did to everyone else. Like we were grew up as all three of us grew up as Buckeye fans. Like we're all like our families are Buckeyes through and through like everyone around us puts this team on a pedestal. So for us to be a part of like a legacy that, uh, that other people built, we don't want to be the ones that mess that up. It's like, this is such a huge thing that, we're, we're lucky to be a part of. And I think, I, I don't think everyone has that perspective though. And that like a, appreciation and admiration for the people that have come before them. Exactly. Now certain I, people do, but yeah. not everyone. I know, uh, at least for me, the reason why I didn't miss workouts or I wasn't late was because of our group chat and, and Jackson's involvement in the group chats <laughs> back in the day. Um, we had, we had a, group chat that, that dwindled down over time due to numbers like like jackson alluded to jackson was notorious for asking when and where we had to be um thank god I, though speak never up. Miss. everyone was I, like Dude, i don't want to ask i don't want them to get mad at me oh. i don't care get mad at me if, if oh, yeah. i'd rather them get mad at me for asking than get mad at me for not being there so yeah, Jackson would like ask if he like should wear two left socks or not. It was <laughs> yeah. to the point where we're like, okay, well, we know every, you know, we know what's going on. Jackson asked, it's got yeah, the Jackson, Jackson always stamp asked, of approval. So I never had to. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And if you, you, guys, like, you guys all had the question. <laughs> ask him, ask him when workouts are. We don't want to, oh, Jackson gets yelled at. No, he didn't yell at but there was so, remember i think we we changed like jackson like numbers in jackson's phone to pretend like we were the coaches one time just to mess with. Uh, i was i was pretty i was pretty bad i would you know we would get done with especially that initial couple weeks of, of winter workouts we'll kind of like walk through the season a little bit or at least the the timeline of college football when we joined in january of 2017 we we were split up in different groups sometimes uh, towards the end, more towards spring ball and into the summer. But I would, I would, you know, people would go through the workouts before and the workouts were pretty grueling, very intense. Um, a lot, you know, high energy, max effort. Every time you go in there, pouring everything you have. So there was like a little bit of a fear of the unknown. 
Yeah. Um, if, you know, Jackson or Clay would be in there first, you know, I'd see them in the locker room and be like, all right. See them dead on the ground and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, that's something that happens all the time. Like, you know, there's there's times where you're not super motivated to go in there and lift, especially at, you know, 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning. You might be the first lifting group. You have no idea what's going to be happening. Um, you might be, you know, coming off a weekend where coaches are just kind of sitting there like, oh, yeah, we're going to make them pay for – not having a lot of energy last week. And so you're kind of going in, you're like, Oh my gosh. So the first group will have all the inside information because they'll, you know, the second group will be coming in the locker room to get ready to get changed. Guys are laying on the ground dead, you know, yeah, right. like you guys are legs are up, <laughs> you know, vomit half on their shirt that's crusted. They don't even care because they made it through the workout. <laughs> They're sweating through two or three t-shirts. So anyways, it would be in the first group sometimes and Jackson would be like, hey, we know what we have going on. I would just start naming the most random exercises and bizarre things like, <laughs> yeah, you got to climb to the top of this rope. And if you fall, they leave you there. You know, Jackson's like, what? oh, my God. Oh. Checking his hands like, oh, I got smaller hands. I'm going to grab the worst case scenario to work out. I'd be like, you know, I, I feel bad. Sometimes, you know, I kind of lead them in, in a direction and Maybe it was just my weird, sick sense of, of entertainment when I was hurting really bad. Uh, but I would try as much as I could to, you know, say, hey, this is what's actually going on before he goes in there. Otherwise, you know, I don't know. Maybe I might have been helping you by telling you these really terrible scenarios. Then you go in there and you're like, why am I not the only, the top of the I will tell you the only the reason I really needed to know was whether or not I needed to take my pre-workout or not. We were that first, was it. Jack, we were running oh first. I didn't want to take my pre-workout. If we were just lifting, I needed my pre-workout. That was yeah. I just needed to know. And then you guys would be like, "Oh yeah, we're running." And then we'd go in there to be a straight lift, no energy whatsoever, no caffeine. And then we'd be like, "You'd be like, oh no, we're no running." I'd take my pre-workout, and then we'd have like twenty gassers, and my legs would just be pumped full of blood as I'm just like laying there on the ground. Remember the remember those. Uh sled push days that was the no the uh oh, the low um yeah 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 the box you had to beat your time the field you had to beat your oh this oh the box pushes no no i'm thinking what you're thinking jackson the i know what you're talking about oh, three-man sled no not this three-man sled just the regular weighted sled oh, you had to push it down and back on the bottom weighted. one yeah. dude i almost puked every you those groups of four and you had to beat your time from the next the week before, or you had to do two more. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that for some reason that exercise was just physically just makes you puke. I don't know what it is. It just like every time. <laughs> it's literally called the the prowler flu. Yeah, because <laughs> well, yeah, guys would be pushing and people would be sick, so they're like, "Oh yeah, you got the prowler flu." Today. It'd be like a, a Friday workout. So, kind of you know touching on the, the training aspect um, of our time there in the winter from about January to late February, maybe early March, we had winter workouts um, and they had spanned Monday through Friday. We'd have um, like an upper body day on Monday, lower body Tuesday. We'd have more like kind of a conditioning or mat drill session on Wednesday with position drills. And then Thursday was an, another upper body day. Friday was a lower body day. Um, once you guys are going through that, like mentally of the week that you have, you know, the, of the exercises and how they programmed for the week, how would you psych yourself up? Like, how did you mentally 
go through the week? Like, did you view one day as easier than the other or? Dude, I didn't think how about did you kind of like navigate that other than the day? Just the one day we were on. I didn't even have time to think about that. You just wake up the next. Remember, we all had that running joke where like we never left the locker room. We just kept spawning back in on day <laughs> one again. It was like every single day was like we respawned and nothing had changed. We just left and we just respawned again. And we leave the facility and we respawn back. <laughs> Dude, that was real. Like, I don't know what was happening, but. I barely even remember anything outside of football. Like I barely remember like anything from that year, the, the years of just like, all I remember is just being in that facility. Like the, the feeling of sitting in the locker room with your friends, like before like lift, you're like, Oh, here we go again. <laughs> oh God. I mean, I, I wanted to know what was going on. You're hundred percent right about that, but I actually enjoyed the winter workouts and like, didn't, like have to psych myself up for those it was the conditioning and it was the anything related Bro, to football that practice. i didn't want yeah. to mess up same, Dude, <laughs> like, same it was more like i would get more anxiety for like individual position drills with the linebacker oh than i would for like than I would for like workouts like workouts like dude it is what it is it's, it's miserable effort. but like it's you got to learn to just like love it and you just got to go but like the football stuff like i just didn't want to like trip on my back pedal or like dude i i was that like it was just more that's where i would be like like get more like anxiety performance anxiety dude i had that hardcore during any of the like drill because because like if you dude you cannot like mess stuff up like in the middle of these like practices yeah i i honestly i was the same way lifting no problem i mean yeah some of it's really hard but like we've done a lot of hard stuff but the yeah, the practice is like I was saying, Jackson, like that anxious feeling, like of like, oh, oh, like or like at the end, young guys, like, oh, like, oh, oh shit, like here we go, <laughs> we're gonna have to like basically that means like the the uh, the people who were like, uh, like third, fourth string were about to go in and play, and we have barely any clue what's going on in terms of the plays because <laughs> uh, we've been running scout team the entire time, which means we don't understand what the real offense or real defense and offense that we're supposed to be running is. Uh, good I think, stuff. I think it's something too, where like the weight room and, and why we gravitated toward it was our effort was a direct correlation yes. with our performance. Like if you worked hard and you gave a lot of effort, you, you generally performed well, or at least you gain the respect of those around you. When you're on the field in something that demands a high level of skill, your effort, I can try really hard not it to doesn't matter or mess up a bag or try to flip my hips or whatever, do some pass rush move. Didn't always result in me performing it well. I could try really, really hard and mess up really, really bad. So yeah, and, and, and oftentimes the yeah, the more you try hard, the worse you do, which is like even worse. I will say like, though, it's better to fail going a hundred miles an hour than it is to fail and not giving like, all your effort. So I agree with that, but it also makes you look ridiculously stupid if you fail a hundred <laughs> miles an hour in the wrong direction. <laughs> like if you, I, but I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, definitely do everything with a lot of effort, but you're gonna get destroyed by everyone <laughs> if it's like, uh, yeah, no. I, once we got into spring ball and we were like, all right, we have like maybe eight weeks under our belt. That was the hard. We're starting to put pads on. We're starting to put a helmet on. That's like, what's, 
for me, that's when it really got real. Like it was like, okay, I'm going through these really hard workouts with a bunch of, you know, badass guys and great staff, awesome coaches starting to learn the people around me. But it wasn't until I started to put the helmet on and cleats on um, in its entirety when I was like, oh boy, like now I, I actually have to basically sacrifice my body. Yeah. <laughs> During the winter, you're working collectively, like as a team, like these big dudes these linemen these other dudes are like helping you encouraging you and then yeah turns around and you guys are face to face and this dude's six seven three thirty and, and they don't want you to win <laughs> now thanks for building me up but now you're just like then it's, it's just a whole different ball game it's the you're right it's that level of competition like the highest level of competition where you like i don't know if you guys ever felt this way but it's really hard to have that team bond feeling in the winter when you're competing for livelihood. Like everyone that's in there wants your job or you want their job. And if you mess them up on a rep, you're taking an opportunity away from them to make it to the next level or to get on the field or to, you know, play in that position. And when that happens, there's this weird animal, like there's a weird um friction between everybody like everybody's at each other's neck because everyone's trying to you know obviously uh like start play get playing time because there's millions of dollars on the line like well, especially with like the whole environment that coach meyer created of the winner loser and like yeah if you if we beat like a, a first or second stringer in any drill automatic like they call them out wow, so hard loser it like, wasn't a congratulation care. for yeah they don't say anything you, know, you got it was it was a wow you lost to them <laughs> like you lost to you lost to that that guy right there he's got a last name i don't even know how to say his last name Seaman, CV, even know like, who that is call my name the wrong way they wouldn't be like they'd be like hey what you oh, winner and this guy, like, also, <laughs> you also have those guys then that come up to you afterwards and are like, "Hey, bro, chill out." And yeah, you're stop. Like, and you're stop like, that. I "Then you feel like that. an asshole." I yeah. Then you feel like an asshole. Like, I have to give 100 percent effort because if I don't, then I get yelled at. But then if I give 100 percent effort and beat you, then you get yelled at. It's like, yeah, it's weird. It's like a weird thing. But you're supposed to be teammates and brothers and help each other out. But like, I'm not gonna help you out that way. I'm really helping you out by going as hard as I can and making you better. So and like weird. the other weird thing is you're in your group, right? Your position group. And those are like your closest teammates and friends. However, those are your biggest enemies and your biggest competition. Like the people that are in that same room for us as safeties, only two people are starting. Everyone else in there is just making those two people better. But, you know, six out of the eight of those people are hoping to go to the NFL and be starters. So, and then there's, you know, the other two of us in there that <laughs> don't really care and are, you know, there, like, I, I didn't have the NFL aspiration, but like, you know, the rest of those people, that's like their literal livelihood. That's their plan was to make it to the NFL. And, you know, their whole life has been centered around that. And so it's like, it's a, just a weird dynamic of, of, uh, and Jackson, to your point, let's say like I try a hundred percent and I, and I beat someone. First of all, I'm not going to, even if I try hundred percent, I'm not going to beat everyone every time because they're way better. And in a lot of scenarios, percent is better than your hundred percent, but like, right. Every once in a while you might. Yeah. It just flip flops. Like sometimes you have a good play. Someone, someone times other people don't, but then you get into that weird game of like, Hey man, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going so hard or why, you know, and you have to just, 
you just have to accept that it's going to be weird it's going to be awkward you just kind of brush it off yeah i don't know if you guys saw but Deion sanders kind of came out um head coach at jackson state and he had mentioned that athletes have learned how to practice they practice to practice they don't practice to be better at their craft they practice to count the number of reps in a period you know or, or count the time on the clock or you know they've practiced to negotiate with teammates on the other side like hey don't go as far like it's that is the practice of now or and i'm guilty of it of course but it's almost you know it's all oh, my everybody is yeah to where you know i'm sitting there you know maybe in clinical rotations or you know, even in a job, and instead of being like, you know, counting the patients, like how many do I have today? Or, you know, what's, how long do I have to work? And so like, wow, like that's, that's so true. It's so relevant, even now outside of sports. Uh, but I thought that was kind of something that hit home and, and goes along with what you guys were, were talking about. Yeah. I, I mean, to that point though, Nick, like the, yeah, the practice practice, like Deion Sanders was basically saying in that, like he practiced to be the best in the world and like his level of practice was different than, you know, what people are doing now. And, and I think a lot of that comes back to like, what are your goals? Why are you doing it? And like, what's your vision for yourself? Like if you see yourself, Nick, as like the best physical therapist in the entire planet, you're probably, and you have a very specific goal on, on what you're trying to accomplish and how to get there. And those patients are leading you towards that you're probably gonna have a different level of uh, participation in that process than if, you know, this is just a, a job that you're doing to get to the next step to do something else. Or yeah, it's like I, the paycheck or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think Deion Sanders, like, I get what he's saying, but there are a lot of people that are in these ecosystems that don't have his mindset and his vision and his goals. And it's tough. It's like, how do you cultivate that? Like, do you, maybe that's not the sport for you, or maybe it's not the, you know, how do you cultivate that, that level of desire and belief in yourself that you can reach those highest levels to where you don't, you know, have a practice where you're like, you know, I'm just kind of counting the reps to get this done. How would you guys describe like the culture and the atmosphere? Like during our time, we can't really speak to our, you know, as much as the time with coach Ryan day, but with coach Meyer, you know, I feel like everyone that he surrounded himself with was the best at what they did. And they were so invested in us as people, um, very much tough love environment, but it was very successful. Like how would you guys kind of describe it to others um, and, and the culture and, you know, how would you take that, right? Like you guys are both going into endeavors on your own you know, hopefully maybe having staff in the future. What are you taking from that? Like, what are you taking from maybe your position coach or coach Meyer or coach Mick, the head strength coach, and even others in the support staff? Like, I guess, what are you kind of taking from it now? Just the standards, like the high, high, high standards that they set, like that degree of excellence, I think makes people always a little bit uncomfortable. But like, I also think that's also, you know, a big responsibility for uh, success. Like you're like, if you're going to have that crazy high of standards, a lot of people are not going to meet those standards or they're going to need to be brought up to those standards, in which case everyone's going to be uncomfortable. But if you have the right leadership in place that everyone's enforcing those high, high, high standards, then I think in those scenarios it, it works. But 
it's a, it's a hard balance between like having to enforce those standards upon people versus people wanting to do them themselves and like finding the right people. Cause it, you know, it goes back to like, yeah, the coaching styles of like, you know, more of a, a brotherhood loving relationship versus more of a business type of environment. And um, yeah, I think the, the best is obviously kind of a mixture of the two, but it, it's really hard to get that down. I feel like for anyone. Yeah, I would, I mean, definitely you have the high standard of excellence, like way up here. And then you have like, everything is done at the like most intense level that you can think of. Like, yeah, it's not like you can easily just get the job done that he's asking you to do. Like you could get it done without being that intense, but it's like, everything is just like do or die. Like Remember it's the, like, the med ball throws. Yeah, like everything like you could just throw them, but like everything is done. Like if you're a strength and conditioning person out there at like a 10 RPE, like everything is done at like the 10 intensity hardest level. 10 yeah, intensity. 10 intensity level. Like the hardest thing, like it could be the easiest like thing to accomplish. I don't know what it is, but it's like you have to sprint onto the field. You can't just like jog, you can't just walk, you have to sprint, or it's like you have to get to your meeting and you're like power walking to like be there like when he, they'd be like team meeting and you like go to the team meeting room it wasn't like like and just yeah. like waddle your way down there it was like like you had it's to like go everything is like, that intense yeah, level everything is to that intensity level it's watching film it's lifting it's practice it's like i don't need like going upstairs to like eat like i felt like i just had to like wolf my food down like it was just like there was no time to just like relax like it was yeah. always just like go 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 yeah yeah they had it set up you know the, that that way for sure like that was uh yeah it was interesting like i was saying with the med balls like we we see these like those med ball throws at the wall and i remember getting screamed at because i wasn't screaming loud enough while i was throwing the med <laughs> like ball it had nothing to do with your med ball throw. Like they exactly. don't I was throwing that ball hard as shit, but they wanted me to scream louder as I threw it. Then I felt awkward because I, it was so inauthentic to yell as I was like, it, I, like it, it just, I didn't need to yell to throw the ball as hard as I could. And so me, like internally, I was struggling with like, like I was yelling as loud as I could, but I just like, I don't know. I, I felt fake. I felt like I was faking it by yelling but you have to do everything to this crazy intense level. And there's, there's a benefit to that. Like we all benefited from seeing an environment operate at the highest intensity for forever. Like there was never a day you walked in, there was low intensity. You have it. Like you couldn't have a bad day either. Like, no. it was like it was so intense and at such a high standard that like you couldn't allow for a bad day. Like yeah. it was, and you felt like you always had to do your best. Like, now, like being in the regular world, like if I really wanted to, like I could just like not try today. But like yeah. since it's been instilled in me from doing this, like to just like you always have to pour everything in, like and it was just like everyone around you was doing it. So if you didn't, you were the outcast, and that's kind of like building that culture wherever you're at. Like you don't want to be, you want to make it so that like not everybody's being lazy and you're the outcast for working hard. It was like yeah. everyone around you was working so hard that if you were being lazy, like you were the outcast, you know what I mean? It was, that's kind of how it felt yeah. being around that level of excellence. Yeah. Like I think like the, if I were to kind of 
summarize what you guys had mentioned. One is being able to, to find the right people to surround yourself with. And that's not just from like a business standpoint or professionally, but also like, you know, we might not all share the same exact field of, of expertise professionally, but, you know, we're going to surround ourselves with each other because we push ourselves. And with that, we had found that we can take ourselves to a level that we never thought we could get to. So coach Meyer and his staff, you know, not just coaches, but also the support staff around, they got us to a level where we're like, holy cow, like, you know, physically, mentally being able to prove that to ourselves, we're able to take that and be like, you know, if we're able to invest that into the next person that we have the opportunity to work with, right. And show them like, Hey, you know, I'm going to pour everything I have into you. I'm going to invest into you, but this is where we're going to get you. And you prove that to them. You give them that. That is so powerful and empowering to that person that they're going to work even harder for you. Right. It's almost like this loop where it's not like, Hey, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to invest in you because what is going to happen is you are going to get better in X, Y, Z reasons, not selling them, you know, a bunch of empty promises, but it's almost like giving them tangible things that they can work on and it betters themselves both inside what they're doing. So for us, both football, right. Physically weight room. And then what we can take away from it. Like, you know, it's even in endeavors that, you know, Jackson, you know, the thing you did the other day, 315 pounds for as many times as you can in two minutes, you know, Clay and I have done more endurance endeavors with, um, like marathons and, and ultras. So it's like to take ourselves to this point, we're like, wow, like it's kind of unlocking. And it's very, I think the word, like I mentioned, it's empowering. It's like, wow, like I can do this. Like, you know, and, and for have, you know, the people that you work with or the people that you employ to have that feeling like that creates buy-in too. Right. I like, think, I think too, like, I would not, I would not say that when I played for Ohio state that I was in the best physical shape that I've ever been in. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that by any means and nothing against the sports staff there. I love those dudes, but it was more than nutrition for my part anyway. But anyway, the, the biggest thing that I think I grew there was my mindset. Like I now have been through camp, uh, been through winter workouts, been through mat drills, been through spring ball, like, Anything that I do, I just revert back to that. I'm like, it, nothing is as hard as this. So like, yeah, you got them in the cookie jar. You're like, I like, you know, what are you gonna do to me now? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, there's, I have this, men, like, we, it's created this mentality and this mental, like, one to give 100% effort into everything that you're doing, and two, like, there's just nothing. Like, I feel like it's not like I'm invincible or unstoppable, but it's just like this. Why, why would I not be able to do that? You know what yeah. I mean? If there's got to be proper training. There's got to be, you got to learn things along the way. Like you might have to take a bunch of different steps before you can do it. You can't just jump in and do it. But if I train for it, if I learn for it, if I study for it, whatever it is, there's, I feel like there's no reason that I can't accomplish it. Just, and that's all come from being a part of that program. Yeah. I mean, you proved it already to yourself. Like, like, I think surrounding yourself with those all bunch of people that have that same mindset is really important because all of a sudden, everybody, everything around you is demanding a level of excellence that is really uncomfortable. But because everyone around you is also doing it, 
you're like, well, shit, this is just the new normal. Like, this is what we do. Like, it's the same thing, uh, Nick, where like, we never would have been able to run. I never would have been able to run a hundred miles had I not been with you and Derek. And there's a literally proof of that because we tried it again with Derek and uh, me and another friend and, and it didn't work. I mean, what I'm, yeah, what I'm trying to say from that is like the, there's a certain level of excellence that we can like pull out of each other too. It's like, Nick, like we went through all this other stuff together. So when we're sitting there 80 miles in and you're still going, I'm like, well, I mean, I like, if he's still going, I could still go. And then when you're hurting, if I'm still going, you could still go. And we can pull up a crazy high level of excellence that we probably couldn't do um, just, you know, without, you know, the, those other people that have that same mindset. Around. It's about who you surround yourself with. Like for like the 315 thing that Nick was talking about, like I did that with another guy that walked on uh, Zach, who's like now my business partner. I wouldn't have gotten the amount of reps that I got without yeah, you get that hype. And that you get? Like, like 50, 45, 44, 44. But, same. Yeah. but like, it's, it's just like, you don't like, yes. Yes. It gave me the confidence that there's like, I believe that I can achieve these high level goals, but also like, you know that you can't achieve those goals without your like inner circle of people like supporting you and helping you. And you have to make sure that those inner circle of people that you've created are in that same mindset and high level of, um, just, no, they have that standard, like that that high standard. standard. You have to make sure that they have that same high standard that you have. So talking about that, that circle, right. Surrounding. Yeah. You know, ourselves with each other. Um, probably during the most important part of the calendar year of our time at Ohio State is fall camp and the duration of the season. So with that, so not just kind of going through, you know, each day per se, but I want to ask the question, what don't the fans see during that time? So like the preparation, so let's say fall camp or during the week, like what don't they see? They say the culmination on you know, college football Saturdays, um, you know, they see the, you know, the shoe packed with hundred thousand people. They see people on the sidelines calling plays, you know, performance on the field, positive, negative, whatever. They see the score, all the stats. What is something to you to be like, this is what you don't see. Like, this is not something that is broadcasted. I just don't think that fans understand the extreme attention to detail and the extreme amount of effort that has to be given doing things at that high level. Like it's easy to run a sprint a hundred miles an hour in a straight line. It's not easy to run a hundred miles an hour in a straight line, plant, turn, find the ball in the air while you're tracking your man, while you're doing these other things, you have to be able to do that at the highest level and you have to do it a thousand reps for it to become so ingrained in your brain that it's just natural. So like you see it and you're like, man, that guy's a great athlete, man. That guy, you know, is a great natural athlete. No. Yeah. He might be a great natural athlete, but that came from the 999 reps that he did of that from freshman year to senior year that he's finally playing like the amount of pure volume at intense reps is insane to me. 
because every single repetition during practice is filmed like and from many different angles so you can as soon as you know we had um, a period style practice so we had periods ranging from like one to about 18 to you know 20 plus at times each one was about five minutes depending on the period might be eight minutes um, for more like kind of team settings but every single repetition is filmed, it's graded, and it's also gone over in meetings. So it's like, you know, like Jackson mentioned, there's a high level of detail. Every single practice is scripted from walkthrough to stretching at the end. So it's not like, you know, hey, you know, today we need to work on our running. It's like, no, we already have scripted plays. We have scripted plays for warm-up. We have scripted plays for the passing offense, the, you know, pass defense, um, one-on-ones, inside run. Like, it's it's installed very meticulously from yeah. the coaching staff, brought together. They have their plan. I don't – you know, I can't really speak to that because not necessarily our experience, but um, it, it's like, hey, this is what we're doing. We only have so much amount of time, and it's jam-packed. There's not, like – a time where it's like, oh yeah, you know, let's just give this a try. Like whims, you know, on a whim. It's like Yeah, I don't think people I don't think people realize too, like like how much of a system this machine is. Like it's like, you know, I don't think they realize number one, how much work really goes into it. Like, you know, during camp, you are literally waking up at five in the morning and you're not back at your hotel until 10 o'clock at night. And you're just doing that every single day, every single day of the week um, for, you know, a long time. It was like three weeks. It was like 19 days. We had to drop our keys off at the hotel. We couldn't leave. So we were at the hotel. After an entire year of additional preparation. And also right after that, it's following with a whole season of additional effort. It's like, it it doesn't end. And so there's not like a a break period during your time there, but it's also, uh, yeah, the system, like like what you guys were mentioning, like how orchestrated everything really is. People also probably don't realize, like, yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, things throughout the game where there's uh, intuitive decision making and changes you have to make and stuff. But there is a large plan in place of what you're you're going to try to do to to solve the puzzle of the other team and you guys are both essentially guessing against each other so when someone sees the play that you know goes south like oh that person sucks or whatever yeah there is so many other things going on like you could have just called the wrong play and they could have called the right play and it looks like an athlete sucked but they got put in a terrible position dude there's so many different things that like now i analyze football on a different level and like I'm sitting with people that like Joe Schmoes, no offense, like fence to your normal fans, but like they have no idea. And they're like screaming at the TV. And I'm like, dude, like you really need to like you'd have more compassion have if you no understood. Idea. Like, for yeah. example, I was watching the Oregon game and they had their tight end motion over and our linebacker shifted. And then so Oregon must have seen this, right? And so we're in man-to-man. They have the tight end slip out on a pop pass. Our linebacker leaves. They hand the counter the opposite way where our linebacker left the hole. And that linebacker sucks. I guarantee you it was written in his keys for the week in his game plan that when the tight end goes out, you have to follow them. He's in man coverage. And so, like, there's nothing he could do about it. But yet everyone is going to be screaming at this linebacker 
for doing exactly what he was told to do. Yeah, like and like people don't understand the extreme amount of chess playing that is done behind the scenes. Well, and and like they also don't realize like all this chess playing is being done to gain one step on your opponent. So yeah. like it, it's at such a high level that when yes, athletes do make mistakes all the time. Like that's definitely part of it too. And and also athletes also make incredible plays all the time. But beyond that, it's like everyone's battling in these like little wars to get one tiny advantage, like one step on a receiver or, I mean, one step on a corner, one, one, uh, you know, one yard of, you know, a a block makes all the difference and and opens up a massive play. So when people like see these things happen, it's, I mean, but this is like why they're, it's entertaining. It's because it's fun to watch. It all seems very like unpredictable and crazy and it is unpredictable and crazy and so I think it's just um, people would have a lot more empathy for coaches and for players and for athletes if they understood that, first of all, the effort, the true effort they're putting in to making this number one entertaining for you to watch, but also they're trying to, they're trying to win and, and, you know, build a legacy for you. And so you, you like, it's not a lack of them not trying. If you think that they're not trying to do well for you, that's like it's ridiculous they're they've tried all year round for this to happen you think they're the most invested so you sitting there as a fan like getting upset when you see something bad happen it's like you don't understand the level of real sacrifice they put into this so they're just as devastated as you are you sitting there screaming at them and saying they suck is only making things worse because you're hurting their confidence to do better the next time yeah and like you know, with the preparation that goes into it, you know, not only at, at a coaching level, but as that kind of trickles down into the game plan, Clay Jackson and I, we would have scout team jerseys, you know, and we, you know, sometimes even too for the team up North, we were all decked out in the opposing teams colors um, just to kind of replicate what it would be like in game scenario that week. But it's not just, you know, you're going out there as scout team and you're like running random plays like it is very much scripted they have every single tendency from you know how many times they run a you know certain defensive play at a certain down and distance at a certain time of the game at a certain place on the field whether it's on the right hash or the left hash so there'll be times where you know they're showing us right like there'd be a you know, defensive graduate assistant ga or another coach that would be showing the scout team like, hey, this is the play that we have to run. The lines are here, there, wherever. This is about how many yards. As we break our huddle, our scout team huddle, they have gotten their play on the offensive side. So when we go in there, and, you know, there will be times where, let's say I was supposed to go maybe two steps forward, and I was supposed to break down the line of scrimmage if I was, like, on an outside linebacker position, a defensive end. Maybe I took one step and just crashed really fast, and I might have made a player, I might not have been in the position they wanted me in. They would run it again because they have it down so such in a like finite specific way that if I didn't he would take go, two he steps, wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. They would that's so funny. So yeah, it would be like, you know, there'd be times where just the natural um like I don't know, instinct of playing football kind of comes out, like the backyard, like hey, you know, I see ball, I get ball. And, you know, that you kind of get yourself in trouble as a scout team player. You know, if there was like an interception or a batted ball on a scrimmage, they'd be like, 
you know, sometimes you'd be like, yeah, well, they wouldn't do that in that situation. You know, that was so like, Nick, like a made a play that like, times. yeah, they would say like, literally what you're talking about is if, if you made a play, like they're running a play, you're running a defensive scout play and you tackled the guy on the line of scrimmage or whatever, and you didn't do what their player exactly says in the script that they would do, they would rerun it because they'd say you would, he wouldn't do that. And it's yeah, like, right. That's but what as say. a scout team player, you're like, yes, he would do that. Cause I just did that. <laughs> I'm sitting here doing it. So yeah. it's like this battle of like trying to figure out, you know, what are these teams going to do? And then also when you get in the game, you've read all the stuff about the tendencies, and then they just do something totally opposite. And you're like, right. That was my thing. I was like, who says that, you know, you guys are changing, you know, we're, you know, Ohio State's changing our game plan. We're throwing a little wrinkles in. Who says that they can't do that for us, right? I mean, and you know what happens all the time, but I mean, that's just. It's a chess match, man. It's got to be, I mean, right. I can't imagine being a play caller. Whew. That'd be tough. No. But I, I think um, kind of going along with that, like going through fall camp, um, and it's a rigorous schedule going through the entire season. Um, how was your guys' mindset going into the postseason where we were scheduled for the Big Ten Championship and then USC where we weren't necessarily uh, going into the, quote, college football playoff? You know, as we kind of dwindled down our time at Ohio State, you know, Jackson kind of touched on how his mindset started to change. Like, what was – your thoughts going into the practices when we were getting close to like December, getting into Christmas. Um, um, I mean, at that point, like I can, like, at least for me, I was exhausted, like getting to that, like, especially after we had basically a whole nother spring ball during the break between the last game of the season and the uh, USC game. That was rough. That was a long. It was basically, like a whole another fifteen month. days of padded practices. Month that of practice. was rough, and it was just like in that time, like um, I felt like I needed. It was almost like I can't believe it went by this fast. And so, yeah. like, in those last couple like weeks, months, you're like trying to figure out like everything that you can milk out of this opportunity. So it's like. You know, at that point, we'd already decided, like, we weren't coming back. We weren't, like, we were done. And so, like, it was like, okay, what connections do I need to, like, make sure that I continue to keep? What do I, like, and at that point, like, I, didn't, I hadn't decided what I was going to do afterwards. Like, I hadn't signed up for the strength conditioning internship yet. I really had no idea. So, I was kind of like, it was almost like, for me, at least, panic mode. Like, I was like, okay, well, two weeks, I'm done what can I ask people here to like help me with in the next two weeks so that I don't come out of this, you know, just with nothing. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I had a, you had I, a more of a plan. You, you not kinda, really, I, I just, I never really, I never really thought about the end. I didn't really recognize, I guess I did in some ways know it was coming to an end, but I didn't realize how abrupt the ending was. Like, I remember flying back home from the bowl game and being on the flight and, like, looking out the window and just, like, thinking back about the whole experiences that we – like, all the stuff that we went through and all the stuff that we had 
experienced and remembering like, wow, like this is like not my actual life. Like this, it felt like my life. Like this is my whole life. Cause it's the only thing I knew. I didn't even have, I just didn't think about anything outside of football. And then all of a sudden, once we landed and we were in that, I remember being in the, the locker room. Remember Nick, we like, yeah. we were like, Oh, like, like we got to take all of our stuff and like leave like for good. Like we got to take our stuff out of our locker and just leave. And I remember feeling Real quick, just weird. those thumbprints too. It, it, no, it was, it was literally like abrupt. Like, like we got off the plane, got to the locker room. And that was the last time that we needed to be there. Now, obviously there were other things that like we, you know, I mean, kind of, there was a couple other things we went back to for like the spring game and some additional stuff and whatever else. But for me, that time was like, we picked our stuff up and I was done with my career as like my life just switched on a dime again i went from being out of it to in it to out of it and just it was very strange i remember like i still you guys you graduated in the winter right clay Did no i graduated in in uh, may of 2018 okay so you guys and i did i remember still being on campus and i felt so like weird. I, I feel like yeah it was my first time like being on campus and going to class for a long time without having practice and other stuff to worry about. I felt, I think I needed to go into EQ and like pick up something that I forgot or something. And like, it had only been like two weeks. It felt like, and I go to scan my thumbprint and it was like, "Er -er," like access denied. And it's like, that's when it really hit me that I was like, man, like I really can't just walk in here anytime I want anymore. And then I'd like go around to the front door and like go to get my stuff from EQ. But it was just like, it would all happen so quick. Um, yeah. And like the last semester of college, like you were like wow. kind of looking forward to it, but it just kind of flew by and it yeah. just kind of like, just was like, Whoa, like light real life starts now. And there was no transition really. So like Clay and Jackson with that abrupt stop, I definitely felt that. Like I felt like there, there wasn't, you know, there was closure because I was able to have sports yeah. again. It wasn't as, kind of raw and like as open of a cut as I had maybe at Ashland or my injury experiences in high school, but there was a, an adjustment period again. So like, how did you guys find that transition from that level of structure and high intense regiment to the real world and like finding purpose outside athletics? Dude, I think I'm still trying to figure it out. Like you never, it's just an experience that you never get to have again. Like, so for people who are in it, like, I know it seems like it sucks a lot of times, but like, you got to realize like, it's a very, 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 very small blip in your life. And while it feels like your entire life, cause it's the only thing, you know, it's not your whole life. And it's definitely going to come to an end. Um, but in terms of like, I, dude, I don't think I can give advice on like how to, you know, transition. Right. Cause I think we're all still, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say like how to find the next thing you want to do. You just have to kind of try a lot of different stuff. And I think we're all still trying to find what's next for us in a certain way. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like I'm still trying to find my way. Like even as like, as soon as like six months ago, I was like, I'm in the, like, 
in really good shape right now. Like, you know, should I like go like see if I can get a CFL tryout or something? Like there's always like that little like thing in my mind where I'm like, you know, I still got it. Like I could still do it. So like, it's like, it's still that like hard transition to where like, we're still young enough to like, I think I could still do it. But at the same time, it's like that time has passed and it's trying to like deal with that along with taking the experiences that we had and applying it to the other things that we're doing. And I think diving head first into some new venture um, with the same mentality that you had when you were playing sports um, has kind of helped me transition, like starting my training business, doing the internship was huge for me. Uh, Nick actually was the one that hooked me up with that. So can't thank him enough for that. But I got to see college sports from the, from the other side, from the coaching perspective. Um, so it kind of gave me a little bit of a different insight. It connected me with some of the pro athletes that I'm training now. And like, just, there's just so much that has happened since then, but yeah, like the transition has been very slow, gradual. And I would still say I'm not, you know, to that point yet where it's like, I've lost. But to your guys' points though, I think it's something where it's finding things that, that challenge you. Right but also kind of make you nervous. You're excited, but there's a nervous to it. Like that's kind of how I felt. And so like taking that feeling of, you know, finding purpose that what you do matters, that there's a greater sense of just, Hey, you know, I put my name on this, but it, it, there's, it means something more in the grand scheme. Like that's kind of what draws me to different um, experiences and endeavors. But I think it's, you know, some people might say, Oh, it's finding something that's competitive or, you know, playing club, you know, whatever sport being in that environment sport wise, like that's definitely an option. I think another option is, is like I said, finding things that, Hey, that might interest me. Don't let that thought go. Like, don't let that just kind of squash out. Like if you're thinking, Hey, I, you know, I want to start my own business again. I know there's so many different logistical things that go into that. And, you know, it's not me advocating to, you know, make any, brash or immediate decisions that affect your life completely but it's more so just like give it thought write write down like pros and cons like what does that look like for you in your life and and thinking of different ways to challenge you than just sports like I think if you just constantly think that hey sports and that competitive side of me is the only thing and that's that's the best side of me I think chasing that there's a there's a danger like there's, there's a level yeah, of there's your like one crash and burn to it because you, if you chase happiness, happiness, isn't a thing. It's finding peace. That's what I think now, like it's finding peace in with what I'm doing. If I'm saying, yeah, I'm doing this in order to be happy. I, that, that means I'm not like currently happy that I'm chasing happiness, but what I'm really doing is, Hey, these things interest me. I'm taking opportunities as they come. When one door opens, I'm going to look in that door. Yeah. That's going to be the door for me. I go down that path. If it's not the right path, at least I'm, you know, taking things as they go, because I think the experiences as you come out of football, if you only think sports, which you guys haven't, and that's why you guys have been successful in what you're doing. And and I know it's, it's even for me, it's a process of constant reevaluation. Like, is this the right thing? You know, Clint, we talk about this outside of the podcast, like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? And then it goes to the point of just surrounding yourself with those people. But um yeah, does that kind of make like I that's kind of what I have yeah I think you guys have done a really good job like you have taken that intensely and you've put it into 
something else. Clay, it's into your entrepreneurial endeavors. Nick, it's into your schooling and into your PT and into the other things that you're trying to do. But both of you, unlike me, have done other sports and put your efforts into those, like your endurance running, I think could be one of the things that you guys do to kind of not, I'm not saying it's coping, but it's like to adjust from being, yeah. you guys have done the endurance running clay, you're doing the uh, jujitsu and, and fighting stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I think that if like, if you like, you wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have played football or you wouldn't have had to make that adjustment. I don't think that you guys probably would have ended up ever doing that stuff. Yeah. I think, I think to Nick's point, you don't want to necessarily put yourself in a box in either position. Like you don't want to, when you're done, hang up the cleats and say, I'm never doing anything athletic again. And you also don't want to say, Hey, I'm, I'm only good for athletics. I got to go find the next thing and start fighting or, you know, whatever else. I think it's a, it's a balance of like, what just, what are you interested in? And to your point, Nick, finding stuff that makes you like, I think all of us are addicted a little bit to that anxiety feeling of like, where we, you know, like you show up for a workout and you're like, what the hell is about to happen here? That like, you have to have a little bit of fear, not fear, but uh, there has to be a, a level of pressure or of like, of um, there needs to be a, uh, like a chance of failing for anything to be exciting because if there's no chance of failing, there's no chance of big success either. Like you can't have a good success without the possibility of failure. And so I think the more that that grows, like the the bigger the failure might be, the obviously the bigger the success might be. And those scenarios, all of us are apt to go choose the most extreme versions because it sounds the most fun for us. We've already done stuff that is like pretty severe in that, that regard so like for us it's probably um a little bit of an addiction to like having like those high high highs and the you know consequently the low lows when you don't succeed at something like that i think you hit it right on the head with that yeah like like we we all want to go like we even before this started we're all talking about like okay what's like the next big like project we want to take on or what's the next hard really difficult athletic endeavor or what's the next competition or and there's nothing wrong with that like there's nothing wrong with enjoying doing those things um especially if you have a healthy relationship with it and you can also you know know when it's time to to taper back and go explore a different interest definitely well i mean i i think we touched on a lot of different topics um but thank you guys for your time it's always awesome to kind of relive those memories and you know, connect and talk with you, see what you guys got cooking up both in Austin and down in Columbus. Hopefully everyone that's, you know, tuning in, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. We appreciate you tuning in to what the fans don't see podcast and stay tuned for episode four. And with that, peace. Thank you guys. Deuces.